You're listening to Asia First Weekend Edition this Saturday morning. Me, Justine Moss, a very good morning to you. Crossing now to Simon Marks, our U.S. Bureau Chief in Washington, D.C. Hi, Simon. Hello, Justine. Thanks so much for joining us here once again. Let's start off uh, with news now out of the UK. Scientists there warning uh, two doses of the COVID vaccine, not enough to stop you catching the Omicron variant. And really, uh, three uh, is key against the protection. Yeah, I mean, this is quite extraordinary data that's been published by the UK Health Security Agency over the course of the last few hours. Uh, US officials asked about it, said that all the data that they are evaluating from the UK, from Israel and from uh, other countries, South Africa, where Omicron has spread, uh, is still preliminary. And they believe that many more days uh, of data crunching lies ahead before they uh, come up with hard and fast conclusions. But what the UK scientists are saying uh, is that the Omicron variant of COVID-19 is worrying for a couple of different reasons. First of all, because of its transmissibility. They believe that it is capable of doubling the number of infections every three days, substantially more transmissible than the Delta variant. Uh, The good news is that scientists in the UK so far say that the vast majority of Omicron cases are mild. People do not require uh, hospitalization. It is not currently believed to be contributing to an increased number of deaths from COVID-19 in the UK. But there is one caveat to all of this, and that is uh, the protection that UK scientists believe Omicron Uh, manages to evade from some of the vaccines. So there's uh, evidence that's been published today suggesting that people who have had two doses of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine in the UK are afforded almost zero protection against the Omicron variant of COVID-19. People with two doses of the Pfizer jab enjoy about 30% protection against Omicron, But when both of those groups have boosters, uh, their protection against the Omicron variant rises to around 75 percent, around 75 percent efficacy, protecting boosted patients against the new strain. So the British are saying this is evidence that the existing two-dose regimen doesn't protect you sufficiently against the new strain. It is the booster shot that makes all of the difference. Now, uh, that is obviously uh, news that the British are digesting in an environment in which Boris Johnson is trying to get 100 million people boosted uh, against COVID-19 by the end of January. But if you extrapolate those findings and apply them to the United States, Uh, It would suggest that Omicron has at least got the capacity to cause substantial economic dislocation here, because remember, the U.S. is a country where 40 percent of the eligible population still hasn't had a second jab. They're still not fully vaccinated against COVID-19, even using the old two dose yardstick for the definition of full vaccination. Uh, So if uh, it requires a booster to protect you, 
and you've got 40% of your population not even ready to have a booster because they haven't even had the second shot of COVID-19 original vaccines, that would seem to suggest that there could be some real trouble ahead economically for the US as Omicron spreads, because even if the cases of COVID that it causes are mild, it's still going to result in thousands and thousands and thousands of people having to isolate as they contract the Omicron strain and therefore remove themselves from uh, economic productivity. Uh, They were still um, evincing calm at today's uh, White House COVID-19 response team press conference, but they say they they are absolutely studying the data and expect to have more thoughts about all of this next week. Simon, other data, uh, U.S. inflation hitting the highest level for nearly 40 years. Yeah, well, that's exactly the point, isn't it? I mean, the economy is already exhibiting signs of difficulty with these new consumer price index numbers that came out on Friday here. President Biden conceding that inflation in the United States at its highest rate since 1982 is, as he put it today, a real bump in the road. It does affect families, he said. You walk into a grocery store and you're paying more for whatever you're purchasing. Uh, I think it's worth making the point that this is the same President Biden and the same White House that pushed back pretty angrily when the former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers questioned some of the president's spending plans earlier in the year and worried uh, that uh, the kind of public expenditure expenditure that he was planning was going to create inflationary pressures in the economy. The White House says that this data was gathered in November and is already, they argue, uh, to some considerable degree out of date. Uh, They say, for example, that the cost of shipping containers has fallen since November. They say petrol prices across the United States are falling as well. But nonetheless, this headline figure of uh, inflation rising 6.8% in November to its highest level in 40 years is definitely something uh, that is concentrating minds in government. Wall Street investors seem to take it all into their in their stride. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ended the day up uh, 0.6 percentage points in value. Uh, the S&P 500 almost one percentage point in value higher uh, and the Nasdaq about three quarters of a percentage point higher in value. They certainly, those investors, appeared to be uh, buying the White House arguments uh, that the data that was published today may now be outpaced by more recent uh, developments. But those traders are also going to be very keen to see uh, how the Fed reacts when its board meets next week, uh, because, of course, uh, they're looking to see uh, what kind of warnings the Fed may offer, what action it may take uh, as a result of uh, these new inflationary pressures that are exhibiting themselves. You're listening to Asia First Weekend Edition this Saturday morning. Me, Justine Moss, speaking with Simon Marks, our US Bureau Chief in Washington, D.C. Simon, let's just change tack now to uh, Julian Assange. Now, US authorities, uh, our time yesterday, they won their latest bid uh, to extradite uh, the WikiLeaks founder, Mr. Assange, but he can appeal. 
Uh, yes, he can. Uh, there is still legal road ahead of him before the moment when he may in the future uh, be forced into American custody. The High Court in London uh, said that they were reassured, the judges, by uh, promises that the United States has made to the British government that if Julian Assange is extradited to stand trial on espionage charges relating to what the United States claims was a massive and indiscriminate leak uh, of U.S. government data by WikiLeaks in 2010 and 2011, much of it relating, of course, to Afghanistan. The U.S. has guaranteed that if he is extradited, he will not endure in prison so-called special measures. Those are uh, isolation tactics that are sometimes deployed by prison authorities uh, in sort of supermax prison conditions where uh, a detainee is locked up for 23 hours out of the 24, has very limited access to uh, outside uh, information sources and to visitors. Uh, the US has pledged that they won't enforce those measures against Julian Assange after uh, the British government warned, British authorities rather warned, uh, that they believed that he was at the risk of committing suicide uh, if he was extradited to the United States. There is a caveat in all of this. Uh, the Americans say they won't deploy those special measures against him provided he behaves himself while he is in detention here, uh, they, of course, would get to decide the definition of behaving himself or not behaving himself. So they could still deploy those special measures after he arrives. And, of course, Mr. Assange, Assange's supporters say the Americans have made assurances like this in previous cases and not lived up to them, which is why they are so critical uh, of the judgment that was handed down by the High Court today. Julian Assange has uh, a couple more opportunities and uh, uh, strategies potentially to appeal this. Uh, he is uh, clearly still very much in the thick of the legal woods, but there is still a possibility that he can avert that extradition to the US in the months ahead. Simon, we've talked about the Russian troop build-up uh, on the border with Ukraine before, but now uh, uh, President Biden promising Central European NATO members more military support as, as that concerns, as concern grows. Yeah, well, this was the week when Joe Biden's plans with regards to Ukraine came into focus, even though Vladimir Putin's did not. Because remember, President Biden and President Putin on Tuesday held a virtual summit meeting over a secure video uh, connection. The Americans had said that this was all about the United States trying to understand exactly what Vladimir Putin's intentions are. Is he planning to invade Ukraine? Once the call was over, they didn't appear to be any the wiser. They said they believed that President Putin hadn't yet decided what he was going to do with the uh, more than 100,000 Russian troops massed on the Ukrainian border. Uh, but they insisted that President Biden had a very direct and frank conversation with the Russian leader in which he made it clear that there will be severe economic consequences, new sanctions uh, immediately imposed if the Russians invade Ukraine and also other measures by which they meant uh, providing military supplies and support to Ukraine and also beefing up their military relationship on the NATO side of the border uh, with their NATO allies. What the president was explicit about, however, was that he has no intention of deploying American troops to Ukraine in a bid to try and prevent a Russian invasion. And that 
many Russia analysts here believe uh, will be news, first of all, that is deeply disappointing to the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky. Uh, he may come to the conclusion they believe that President Biden's so-called ironclad commitment to protecting Ukrainian sovereignty isn't uh, all that ironclad after all. Uh, but those same Russia analysts also argue that it may be sending a message to Vladimir Putin that, sure, there will be economic uh, sanctions uh, that result if Russian troops invade Ukraine, but perhaps not a threat of any kind of direct military response uh, from the United States. And so uh, I think that there are concerns in the foreign policy community here, and particularly among uh, more hawkish members of Congress up on Capitol Hill, that President Biden should be taking a much tougher line towards Vladimir Putin over this. But of course, the Republicans are in some degree of rhetorical difficulty over all of this, because remember, the last Republican president, Donald Trump, was not precisely known for the vehemence with which he confronted the Russian leader either. Nonetheless, definite anxieties still about what lies ahead along that Russian-Ukrainian border. Yeah. Uh, Simon, uh, just with the Democracy Summit, that has um, the, the two-day summit, uh, President Biden calling an inflection point uh, for democracies and saying that he would keep fighting to pass those uh, voting rights legislation. Yeah, I mean, the state of American democracy was really the elephant in the room uh, throughout this two day summit that President Biden conceived as a uh, as an opportunity to confront China and Russia on the world stage and prove to them that democracies uh, all over the world can still deliver on the pledges that they make to their people. And yet he had to spend a good chunk of time at this summit talking about the threats that exist to American democracy, saying that he's absolutely determined to protect voting rights and the sanctity of American elections in the United States, which really only conveyed to the rest of the world, in a way, uh, the scale of the problem that exists here. He also unveiled uh, $424 million in assistance uh, that he says is going to uh, be spent on anti-corruption efforts and supporting free and independent media in various parts of the world. Uh, the White House believes that this summit was a success. They argue uh, that it very successfully sent a message to Russia uh, and China that the president is ready to convene that kind of coalition uh, to win, as he puts it, the battle for the 21st century. But the Russians and Chinese seemed somewhat uh, unconcerned about all of this. Russia dismissed the event as pathetic, and the Chinese said that it was demonstrable that the United States is now ungovernable. So they did not seem uh, to be particularly bothered, uh, or at least publicly, uh, by this cohort of countries that the uh, United States brought together here this week. Yeah, 110. Well, Simon, let's finish off with some sad news. Um, my gosh, I feel like I grew up with this, ma this gentleman. Uh, Michael Nesmith, the uh, monkey star, of course, dying at 78. I know you and me both, of course, I was surrounded by a younger generation today that had no idea who he was. Uh, but for those of us, Justine, of a certain vintage, I'm sure, like me, you remember racing home from school to watch the monkeys on television. Absolutely. Uh, 
<laughs> literally a made-for-TV band, by the way. Uh, they were specifically recruited to star in this television program called The Monkees. It was, in many ways, an early fusion of music and video. This is long before MTV came along. It was 1966 to 1968 that the program ran for two seasons. Uh, you and I watched it in the UK. It was obviously very popular in the United States and elsewhere in the world. And at one point, the monkeys were outperforming the Beatles in terms of record sales. So powerful uh, was that television program as a vehicle for promoting them. For those of you uh, of a certain vintage wondering which monkey Michael Nesmith was, he was the one that was always uh, wearing a woolly hat uh, on the television program. He died uh, at home of natural causes, according to his family, just a month after uh, he played a show in Los Angeles with the man who is now the only surviving member of the Monkees, Mickey Dolans. Michael Nesmith went on to have a solo music career and also a career as a film director and, no surprise, a director of music videos. For those of us of a certain age, a very sad day. A very sad day indeed. And of course, uh, fellow Monkees band member, as you say, Mickey Dolenz, said, of course, he was heartbroken broken at having lost a dear friend. And may he rest in peace. Simon, thank you so much uh, for talking to us here in Singapore and keeping us updated. Cheers, Justine. Talk to you tomorrow.